You say, well, I just can't believe our government would do such evil things. Well, <laughs> then you are, you are, uh, you've been asleep and you need to wake up uh, because it's, uh, it's reality. Psalm 2, I, I preached about this last week, but, uh, you know, what you were saying reminded me of Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? In other words, the people uh, are, are believing lies. A vain thing is a lie. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. They're having these summits and, and uh, against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let's break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. So there, there, is, there is a worldwide conspiracy effort among the very rich, the very elite uh, government leaders, uh, people that have wormed their way into positions of power and authority, some over centuries. And they, they, they are deeply rooted, deeply uh, connected, interlocking directorates. They sit on the boards of each other's companies. And they are conspiring against the Lord, seeking to throw off his restraints, seeking to disregard his principles, his laws, even to the point of the laws of nature. And, and they, they're wanting to break free from any restraint that, uh, that Christians, the Lord's body, the Lord's church. You see, we are he, we are the ones that's mentioned in Thessalonians that restrains until we be taken out of the way. And then that wicked one will be revealed. But, there's, but uh, you know, and we know that when the rapture takes place and the church is removed, then, then that, that, that part, that presence in the earth that preserves the earth, the salt of the earth, and the light of the world, when that's removed, then the world will decompose in, you know, quickly, just like a dead body. A dead body doesn't take very long uh, for the worms to start eating it. Well, when the, when the, the life of God, the, the church, the true church, is taken out of the way, then, then the wicked one will be revealed. Doesn't mean he's not present. The spirit of Antichrist has been at work in the world even from Bible times. And, and uh, um, you know, Paul said, you know, the spirit of, of the Antichrist is at work in the world already. John said that. And, um, and so we know that this is not anything new. Matter of fact, uh, it began in the Garden of Eden there when, uh, you know, when Satan tempted uh, our first couple and brought them down. He was seeking to ascend above them and take authority over the world and destroy uh, uh, what he saw was his uh, nemesis, and that's humankind. So humankind is the nemesis of the devil. The devil doesn't like us because we took his place and authority over, over this world. God gave the world authority to the man and put the devil and all the angels beneath him. But there's been this, there's been this upheaval, this, this rebellion, and to the point of mocking God. And we've talked about that. But it, say, it says in, in, in verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall have them in derision. 
In other words, the Lord is going to bring them to, uh, to confusion. The devil's not ever, never going to win. He's never going to succeed in his plans. The end has been, has been decided even before the beginning. Amen. The end is we win. You're, the devil's never going to succeed in upending God and, and overturning God. And the kingdom of God is not getting smaller and shrinking. It's, it's, uh, it's ever increasing and growing. And so we have this conflict. And we have all this stuff going on. And uh, even to people being imprisoned wrongfully and things of this nature. And, and you think, well, man, you know, how in the world, in this present time, in this present world, how, how, am, I, how am I even going to be happy? How can I be happy living in this present world? <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I was thinking about that. And, and then, you know, all you got to do is flip over to chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1. And there you, have, there you have how to be happy in the midst of all this stuff that's going on. Amen. Amen? Uh, you know, happiness is really uh, 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 dependent upon what's happening around you, right? And you can have bad stuff, but you can have, a Christian can have bad stuff happening all around them and even to them and still be happy, Amen. still be blessed. If you, if you are surrounded by Christ himself. In him we live and move and have our being. In Christ, in Christ, we can be happy even if they throw us into solitary confinement. There can be contentment and peace and joy in the Lord, even, we, even if we're suffering in, on the outside. Look at Psalm 1 for a moment. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified, because it amplifies it. You know, what the Amplified does, it, 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 as you read, it, it defines some of the words. Anything you see in brackets is... Uh, uh, or, or parentheses is is really a, a like having a thesaurus right there in the in the verse with you. It ex, it expands it doesn't change what it means, but it it draws out these words and defines them as you read. And that's why I appreciate the Amplified. It does a lot of the work for you. Amen. Uh, I know it adds words, but it, it, it in the addition of those words, it explains what what it's being told there. Amen. Uh, somebody needed that. All right, Psalm 1 in the Amplified. Blessed, and in parentheses, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Now, who doesn't want to be happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable? Do I have any takers? I want to be. I want to be blessed. If that's the definition of blessed, I want it. Amen. Okay. So blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man or woman who walks and lives not. Everybody say not. not. So happiness, blessing, is for the person who walks and lives not. In the counsel of the ungodly. Underline ungodly there. 
Now, in case you don't know what ungodly means, he defines it. Following their advice, their plans and purposes. So, in other words, you don't follow the advice and subscribe to the plans and purposes of the ungodly. Now, uh, I looked up ungodly, and I found the definition for it in verse 6. Let the Bible define the Bible, right? Verse 6 says, For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, brackets, those living outside God's will. It's right there. That's, that's the Amplified. For the Lord knows and fully approves of the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Well, that's pretty bad when the Amplified doesn't even agree with itself. But, it, you know, that's the way I read it in, in my Amplified Bible. Okay. Those living outside God's will. Everybody say, look. People living outside God's will, say it, are the ungodly. You see, the ungodly are not necessarily bad people. We could, we could have an ungodly person sitting with us right here this morning. Now, don't look at each other. But if you're living outside of God's will, you're the ungodly. Oh, that's, that's, man, that's too strong, Pastor. I don't know if I can handle that. Well, that's, I mean, you're mature Christians. I can speak to you as mature people, right? You're grown-ups, right? You know I love you, right? But the, the very definition of ungodly is that you're living outside of God's will. You can't be happy there. You cannot be happy outside of God's will. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how powerful you are. You think Joe Biden's happy? He's, a, he's one lost, angry, confused man. But there's a lot of unhappy Republicans. A lot of unhappy church members. Because they... Even if they know God's will, they've chosen not to live by it. And you can't be happy that way. Blessed and happy and fortunate, prosperous and enviable is the man who lives in God's will. He doesn't, he doesn't follow the counsel and advice and plans and purposes of the ungodly. He doesn't stand, and look at this, submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. He doesn't, say, he doesn't stand submissively in the path where sinners walk. He doesn't submit to them. He doesn't submit to their way. Path means way. The, the sinner's way is not your way. And you're not going to submit to their rules, and their, their principles, their, their precepts, their... their uh, uh, dictates 
How many of you, when you did wear a mask, you know, to go into a hospital or to go into a doctor's office, you resented that? You resented having to wear that mask. You know why? Because you were being forced to submit to the ungodly and the unrighteous. They were making you do it. And in, in your knower of all knowers, you knew it was ineffective. It was, it, was, it was just a sign or an outward symbol of submission to them. And so even when you did it, something on the inside of you rebelled against it. And it wasn't an evil person on the inside of you. It was, it was the fact that you were, being, you were being forced to comply with something that you knew wasn't God's will. That's why this whole thing has been so uh, onerous to many people in this country is because they, they know in their knower that they're being forced to submit to something that was not scientific. It wasn't effective. It wasn't working. And it was political. had nothing to do with health. It's not about your health, people. They want you dead. They've said it out of their own mouth. I, I, watched, I sat and watched Bill Gates say out of his own mouth that we need to reduce the population of the earth. Now, there's only one way you can interpret that. Kill them off. Kill them off. And then we've seen, we've seen clips where they think they're in a private meeting and they're talking about reducing the population of the earth by, by 70%. Until there's only 500 million left. That's inscribed on stone pillars in Georgia. It's like they've got their own little uh, uh, I don't know what you call it. A bunch of stones piled up and, and they've inscribed on their, their agenda and their agenda is to re depopulate the earth. Yeah, their own Stonehenge. Paid for. No, it's paid for. That, that Stonehenge, that thing in Georgia, is paid for by the, the founder of CNN, Ted Turner who owns, by the way, more land in the United States than any other private individual. He's a powerful man, but he's also a Christ rejecter. And they are saying, they, they, they wrote it in stone, people. I've seen it. I've seen the video and the pictures of it. They've written it in stone and sacrificed human blood on top of those stones that they want to reduce the population of the earth until there's only 500 million elites of their choosing very special unique individuals that they can control amen that's their plan so if you follow them you're following the ungodly there's no way you're going to be happy there's no way you're going to be blessed if you, if you stand in the path of those people or sit down to relax and rest where the scornful and mockers gather.
Where do the scornful and mockers gather? They gather in front of the boob tube watching CNN and ABC and NBC and Fox. Yes, Fox. In some ways, Fox is the worst one because they are so deceptive and sinister in what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Now, I know I hit every one of you because you love Fox. You like to watch, uh, you got your favorite things on Fox. Well, you know, I'm just saying, if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, don't sit down and relax in your easy chair and let those people preach at you. Because that's what they're doing. They're filling you with their propaganda, and you will not be blessed. Well, how am I going to find out the news? How many of you believe that God knows everything that's going on? Well, why don't you sit in front of him for two or three hours every night, sit in his company, and, and ask him what's going on? Well, I don't have a relationship with God like that. Oh, you're ungodly then, huh? You're outside of his will. He wants you to be able to sit with him and commune with him and let the Holy Spirit that he gave you lead you and guide you into all truth. And he'll show you things to come. Not only will you show you, he will show you what is, he'll show you what's going to happen. And you can be happy. You can be blessed. I know I'd blowed some people's mind right there, but happiness, happiness is not going the way of the wicked. Verse 2 says, His delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. And on His law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, He habitually meditates, which means to ponder and study by day and by night. That doesn't mean while you're sitting on the toilet, you read a paragraph out of your devotion book. Watered down gobbledygook that really offers no substance. That's intended only for your toilet reading purposes. That's not day and night meditating in the law of the Lord. If your delight is in the law of the Lord, meditate means to utter it, mutter it, and roll it over in your mind. Utter, mutter. Utter means say it out loud. Mutter means say it to yourself. And roll it over in your mind means to ponder on it and think about it. Day and night. Day and night. The law of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the law of, you know, how many oxen you're supposed to sacrifice for certain feasts. Not that law. But the law of the Lord, like that uh, says, love one another. This is my commandment that you love one another. Amen. Things like that. The law, the law of the law of of uh, faith. The laws of of uh, uh, patience. You know the, these things that God has placed within our heart, written on the tablets of our heart, but also in His Word. You need to meditate on day and night. How can you be happy? How can you be blessed? if you just disregard everything God has said and meditate on what's going on in the world. We need to be corrected in these areas because our minds, uh, our minds get captivated by things. 
And uh, one of the saddest things uh, that I, I'm discussing with a friend of mine who has this, this huge library, personal library in his home, and he's got, he's got, he's got a three-bedroom house. He lives there by himself. Got a three-bedroom house. Um, one bedroom is his office, and it's lined with bookshelves. The third bedroom is his library. It's lined with bookshelves, and it's got bookshelves down the middle. And then his garage is lined with bookshelves full of books. And then he's got boxes of books that he doesn't have any place to put. And then, he's, then he built a storage shed out in back, and it's full of books. And I said, what are you going to do with those when you die? He's 72, three years old. I said, what's going to happen to all those books when you die? And he said, well, I hadn't even thought about that. He said, I have them for my benefit. I said, do you, do you read? Oh, I've read every one of them, at least once. And uh, I said, how many, books, how many books do you read every year? He said, well, I, I, read, I read at least two books a week. Plus, he's written several books. We have some of them in, in right there in my office. Steve Long. Y'all have heard of Steve Long. And uh, he's, uh, he's, full of, he's full of knowledge. I said, well, uh, why don't you uh, start a, a library at your church? He said, I did. He said, when my wife died, I took all of her books, and I put them in the church library. And, uh, and I said, well, do people check them out? Do people read them? He says, not really. He said, people don't read anymore. People don't read anymore. And I'm not going to look at you and ask you, do you still read? Readers are leaders. Leaders read. And, and, uh, and God's called every one of you to be a leader. But, you know, what's sad is people don't read the Bible anymore. It is the most published book. It is the most, more copies of the Bible are out there in the world than any other book. And yet today, it's one of the least read books. People have it, but they don't read it. I've got several. And I plan on getting some more. <laughs> it's just a habit I have. I love, I love my Bibles. I give them away. All, I'm giving Bibles away all the time. I gave Paul Bott a, a brand new Bible that I hadn't even, I hadn't even taken out of the box yet. <laughs> His first English Bible. How about that? And I didn't know I was giving him his first English Bible. But, you know, uh, I, love being, I love being first in people's lives, you know, like that. First sermon he ever preached as a married man was right here. Amen. Amen. But you see, the, 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 the blessed man, the blessed woman, loves God's Word. Loves God's Word. Loves it so much he can't get enough of it. The average Christian reads more novels and fiction than they do the Word of God. If you looked in my library, if you looked in my library today, you'll not find one work of fiction in my library. They're all either the Word of God or they're about the Word of God. 
a few biographies and all that, but no, no fiction, no novels, no romance westerns, or whatever they call them. Amen. You're not going to find a single book in my library that has some, some hunk on the front cover with no shirt on. You understand what I'm saying? I've been, in, I've been in some Christians' homes, and they've got shelves and shelves of books lined with those things. Romance novels. You're not going to find that in, 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 a, in a blessed man's library. <laughs> Amen. Or blessed woman. Listen. His delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. His delight and desire. He delights in it, and he desires it. And on God's law, God's precepts, and the instructions, and the teachings of God, he habitually meditates. In other words, he's, he's done it so long, he's trained himself over the years, and he just habitually thinks about the Word of God. Everything he sees and hears reminds him of the Word of God. Every, everything you say to him, he's, he has a comeback. He said, well, you know, the Bible says. God says. The Word of God says. That, that's, that's, going to be, that's the blessed man. That's the truly blessed man. And, and, and then verse 3 says, He shall be like a tree firmly planted, and the Amplified says, and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. In other words, he'll be fruitful seasonal. In other words, everything comes on time in his life. His, it says, his leaf also shall not fade or wither. And that, you know, that speaks of nat his natural beauty, the leaf in, you know, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Everything he does shall prosper. Verse 4, not so the wicked. Now, what, what's the definition of wicked? Those disobedient and living without God are not so. But they're like the chaff, worthless, dead, without substance, which the wind drives away. You know, the, the Bible says you'll, you'll look for them and they'll, they'll be gone. And we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about the wicked, the people who are disobedient and insist on living without God or apart from God. They're here today, gone tomorrow. Like chaff. You know what chaff is? Chaff is, is, is dead, dry straw. It's when the good stuff has been removed from it and it, and, and it just it gets thrown away and the wind blows it away. It's worthless. It's dead without substance. Therefore, the wicked, verse 5, those disobedient and living without God shall not stand justified in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God. These people will not stand in the judgment, and they'll not be counted among the righteous. For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly, those, out, those that are living outside of God's will, shall perish, end in ruin, 
and come to naught. And then he goes into Psalm 2, talking about how God's going to laugh at his enemies and have them in derision. But only those, only those who kiss the Son, that, that means those who love Jesus, the anointed one, are going are gonna to be uh, preserved in the end. That's, me, that's you and me. We love Jesus. We kiss the Son. But we're, we're going to be happy if we follow his way. Uh, look in John 15. It says, basically, happiness is, is when you live in Jesus, when you live in the Son of God. John 15, 5, in the Amplified, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, Apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. It's pretty profound there, isn't it? Amen. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever lives in me and allows me to live in him bears much fruit, abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. You can know about him. You can be in proximity with him. But you could be a dead branch laying on the ground. A dead branch laying on the ground doesn't produce any fruit. We don't produce any fruit unless we are living so attached to him that his life flows out of him into us and through us into the fruit we bear. We, we then, the branch becomes a conduit of the very life of the vine. Does the life of God flow through you? If you live in him and he lives in you, it will. If a person does not dwell in me, he's thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you live in me, which means to abide vitally united to me. And listen to this. And my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. I mean, you talk about effectiveness in prayer. If you want your prayers to be effective, you want God to not only hear your prayers, but answer your prayers in, a, in the affirmative. Who doesn't want that? Man, when I call on God and ask God to touch somebody, heal somebody, bless somebody, do something for somebody, I want, I want him to say, yes, okay, so be it, and, I, and see it done. I want my prayer life to be effective. Well, there's only one way to make a, your prayer life effective, and that's to abide in him and let his word continue in you. The only way his word's going to continue in you is if you abide in it, meditate in it day and night. How many of you know we leak? Amen. When I was young, I memorized the whole books of the Bible. I had Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and I had several of the Pauline epistles, Ephesians, and, uh, and then I had Philippians and Colossians memorized. I could quote them.
If you ask me to quote them today, I couldn't do it if my life depended on it. Why? Because you leak, you forget. If you don't continually abide there and camp there, you're going to let things slip from you. You have to keep going back to it, yes. meditating on it, or you, will, or you will forget it. Now, I've had the experience of being in the pulpit under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and, and scriptures come to mind that I had long ago forgotten because they're in there somewhere. They're in that big filing cabinet, and the Holy Ghost knows how to go in there and get them and bring them out and use them. But after the, after the service, if you asked me to quote it again, I would, I'd say, what? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's there. I was talking to Sonia uh, yesterday about how, you know, some people's names. You know, I, I know their names, man. I know these people. I know, I know them well. And then I try to remember their name, and I can't remember their name. That's frustrating. And so I say, Lord, I, 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 I need, I mean, how many of you have that happen? It just bugs you. Until you come up with that name, you're, you're, just, you're just not going to rest. And I, I say, Lord, get down in my filing cabinet, would you, and find that file. I do this to the back of my head. <laughs> I know it's there. And, and if I'm talking to somebody, I say, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Don't, don't worry. I'll think of it eventually. And then, you know, you know, five hours, six hours the next day, I'll be driving down the road, and all of a sudden that name will just, boop, there it is. It's like the Holy Ghost just handed me the file. I found it. It's deep down in the drawer. You had misfiled it, and, and your filing system stinks, and, you know, that's what my wife says to me. Your filing system stinks. And I said, what filing system? I have a filing system? Amen. If you want your prayers to be answered, you need to live close to Jesus and let his word live in you. Look in Philippians 2, and I'm about to, I'm about to finish up here. But I'm, I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to help you know how to be happy in the midst of all this bad news we, we're hearing about. Amen? Amen? Happiness is delighting in the ways of God. Happiness is living in the Son of God and having His Word living in you. And in Philippians chapter 2, we find out in verse 13... That happiness is knowing that God is at work in your life. Knowing and believing that God is truly doing his thing in you is enough to cause you to feel blessed. Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Then uh, let's read it in the Amplified. Hopefully it says the same thing that my Amplified Bible says. Philippians 2.13 For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you. 
both to will and to work that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. Think about that. Not in your own strength, for it is God who all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. See, my Amplified Bible is different from that computer's Amplified Bible. That's all right, though. we get got to amplify it even all the more. Amen? Right. Knowing that God is working in you, strengthening, equipping, energizing, and creating in you the power and the desire to do His will. That should make you happy. The fact that you want to do His will. The fact that you want to be effective knowing that God is at work in you to make that happen. That should make you happy. That should make you feel blessed, that God is at work. We don't understand His ways all, all the time. But we do seek His ways. We do believe in His ways. We do believe that His ways are the best ways. But He can work out His will in you even though you don't understand what, what it's all about. It's called trust. Trusting in the Lord. So happiness is delighting in the ways of God, meditating on His Word, living in Him, letting Him live in you, and knowing that He's at work in you. This will make you happy. This will cause you to feel blessed and be blessed. And it will make you fruitful, even in these days that we're living. And folks, there are places in this world that have it worse than this. Matter of fact, this is the, probably the best place you would want to live right now in the world. State of Florida, state of Texas, you know. I mean, the state of Florida is, uh, is a shining light in, in, in this nation and in the, in the world right now. It hasn't always been. Remember, we were, we were an embarrassment, you know, there for a while with all the hanging chads and all that kind of stuff. That embarrassed us. I had friends call me up and say, what's the matter with you Floridians? You're holding up the whole election. I said, wasn't me. I voted early and I voted right. I can't help it. These people are so stupid they don't know how to punch a card. Now, now it's even worse. We got machines messing up. But not in Florida. You know, they've outlawed those machines in Florida. Praise God. But the world is hurting, the world is suffering, and there, and, but there are places all over the world where it's, it's, it's hell on earth. And yet God's got people right in those places that are blessed. War going on all around them. They're happy and blessed because they're focused on Jesus. And He dwells within them. This is not the worst time of history. 
there have been there have been times in history where whole multitudes of people were rounded up and put to death when the bolsheviks took over russia 30 million when the chinese communists took over china 50 million when paul pot took over cambodia half the population no actually it's more than that three quarters of the population called it the killing fields they're still finding buried uh, uh, mass graves in those places and uh, you know we talk about hitler of course being a uh, you know uh, the holocaust and massacring murdering six million jews he also murdered he also murdered six to ten million other people besides jews But that, was, that, that, that doesn't even come close to the 50 million in China and the 30 million in Russia. And we, and we, we, think, it's, we think it's something unusual that they're, that they're killing people today. No, that spirit has always been there. To, and, and that spirit is, is, is a, a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy nations. He wants to destroy people. He wants to destroy whole whole segments of society. He wants to destroy every, every, every unborn baby. The state of Colorado just passed a law authorizing abortions after birth. California has got a law saying that, that, uh, that if, a, if a mother has a baby and decides she doesn't want it and lets that baby starve to death, that uh, as long as the baby dies within the first six months, she's not guilty of murder. Where'd you hear that, Pastor? Well, not on Fox. Not on CNN. I heard that on the Victory Channel. See, there are places you can get news that's, that's more trustworthy. What's the Victory Channel? Everybody, anybody know what the Victory Channel is? Yeah. Kenneth Copeland's Victory Channel. Happiness, your, your happiness and your state of blessedness can be greatly impacted and affected by what you let in your ear gates and your eye gates. My little granddaughter sent me a text the other, the other night saying she's having trouble sleeping and she's got this anxiety and she doesn't know what... She doesn't know what's going on, what to, what to do. I, I try to read my Bible, and I, I try to pray, but I don't get anywhere doing that. So I, I watch TV. I said, what, you know, I, I said, what channel do you watch? No answer. What do you watch on TV? No answer. Well, I happen to know that in that household, they let her watch anything she wants to watch. So if you sit down in front of the TV and you watch scary movies and you watch occult movies and you watch soap opera type shows and, and where, where people are hopping in bed with each other no matter what, whether they're married or not, you watch that kind of stuff. If that's what you fill your gourd with, you're going to have anxiety. You're not going to have any peace. You know what I told her? I said, here's how you have peace. Make love with, to Jesus 
Just tell Jesus how much you love him. Tell him how much you appreciate him. Uh, sing songs to Jesus. Think about his love. Talk about his saving power. Just praise him. And instead of going to Jesus about you all the time, instead of going to Jesus to whine and complain, why don't you go to Jesus and just worship him? I heard from her this morning, Grandpa, you're right. I know you're right. I'm going to do that. Well, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, what do you expect, people? If you're filling your mind with that kind of stuff instead of with Jesus, what do you expect? Jesus will sustain you in solitary confinement, won't he, Brother Jim? Jesus, Jesus will keep you from going nuts in the worst conditions. When my first wife passed away, Larry Easton came to me, and he said, he said how are you doing? I said, well, I'm struggling. It's, 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 it's not easy. And he said, he said, well, what you need to do is every time those waves of grief come rolling over you, just pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. And, 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 and that will subside, and the Lord will fill you with his peace and joy. Now, here I was, you know, 53 years old, been in the ministry all my life, and he's given me this advice, but I took it. I walked in the counsel of the godly. I took it. I took his counsel, and I did it. And you know what? God brought me through those times. Because those are very unpredictable moments. Those of you who've experienced grief, you know you could just be driving down the road and see something, and, and that wave of grief will just come over you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I was driving home one day from church, and I turned the corner to go down to my, the house, and I just reached over like I always did to take her hand because always at that intersection when I made the turn I'd reach over and take her hand hold her hand the rest of the way home all of a sudden I realized her, her hand wasn't there I had to pull the car over I was so overwhelmed with grief so I sat there on the side of the road and prayed in tongues until the joy of the Lord returned and the peace of God filled that car and I was able to regain my composure enough to see past my glasses and go home. So, Pastor, I wish you wouldn't talk about those things. That's where people live. Somebody's experiencing that right now, today. People, people live real lives, folks, and they need to know how to be blessed as opposed to living the way of the ungodly. Amen. Stand up with me, and we're going to we're going to take communion together this morning and just <laughs> recommit ourselves into the communion of the Lord. Communion, holy communion is about communing with the Lord in his life. Remembering his death, but fellowshipping with him in his life. The life of God is filling this room right now. The life of God pours out from the throne of God. God wants to fill you with his life. He wants to fill you with his presence. He wants to fill you with his essence. However you want to describe it, he wants you to be full.
of the good stuff. Amen? Would you agree with me that Jesus is the good stuff? The Holy Ghost is the good stuff? The life of God is the good stuff? Amen? I want to empty myself out of all the world's corruption. You see, Jesus came into this world to save us from its corruption. That's literally what the Bible says. He came into this world to save us from its corruption. It's death. And we're going we're to partake of his body and his blood to remind ourselves where our source of life is. It's not in the things of this world. It's not in the things of this world. If you'll take that little wafer that represents the blood of Jesus, I mean the body of Jesus, the scripture says that at the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. It was unleavened bread. It was wrapped in a, a little linen towel and placed under the chair, the Messiah's chair. That night, Jesus sat down in the Messiah's chair. And he reached under the chair and he pulled out that little bundle that had that special unleavened bread. And he broke it. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And we know from Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2, 24, that the stripes that were laid upon him became our healing. With his stripes we are healed. Whatever's broken, broken relationships can be healed through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen it. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. Marriages and families that were disintegrated. But because of turning to the Lord, he healed those marriages, brought everybody back together. I've seen it over and over and over in my 50-plus years of pastoring. I've seen how the Lord supernaturally reconciled parents with their children, children with their parents, family members, healed relationships that could not be healed, irreconcilable differences. Listen, folks, in Christ there is no such thing as an irreconcilable difference. See, Christians ought to never get divorced. It shouldn't even be named among us because there's no such thing as irreconcilable difference in Christ. He can heal anything. Sonia, he can heal us from arthritis in our back. He can heal you of that bad memory. <laughs> Any cognitive issues you be having. That back that you're going to have to have surgery on, he can fix it where you don't have to have the surgery. I'm believing for that. I'm asking him, I'm asking him to do the things that with man are impossible because of this right here. This, this body that was broken was broken for you. Say, it was broken for me. And with his stripes, I am healed. Let's eat together. What a relationship you can have 
you can have a relationship with Jesus that heals your body. Wow. Heals your, heals your, your, your relationships with people. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Drink it as often as you remember me. <laughs> you know, I remember Jesus. Y'all remember Jesus? <laughs> you know, I remember him several times a day. Now, I don't take communion every time I remember him. But the Lord told me the first of this year that the things that you do that are good, the things that you do that are right, do them more often with greater intensity. And we, in the past, you know, we took communion once a month. But this year, we have felt it was important for us to bear down and intensify on this, this one aspect of church worship and to make it, make it uh, more intense, more often. And I've really enjoyed this part of the service, haven't you? It's meaningful because of what? It's the blood, the blood of Jesus that changes everything. Change, but it separates you from the world, doesn't it? It puts you inside and puts him inside you. And so there's a difference between us and the world. The ungodly are not so. But thankful, we're the, we're the godly. All because of the blood. He made us godly. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood that was shed for us. For in it, Lord, you took our sins upon yourself and you poured your righteousness into us and that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's drink together.